When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome into Poke Bear episode 165. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor. What is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. We got to have some fun together at uh, Bruins training camp uh, here on Friday after uh, we're recording after. Uh, and uh, it was great to be back. So fun to be back. It's uh, the, the Bruins gave us pizza, which is, you know, what more can you ask? Once pizza comes into the equation, I'll go anywhere. So Ty, good to even tie head is Hawaiian pizza. Everyone was all set. Everyone had what they needed. Every, that's exactly it. Everybody had what they needed. Uh, it is funny that they always give them the trademark Hawaiian pizza. I am a fan of Hawaiian pizza. I've always really liked it. I don't, like if you had me like rank it, it wouldn't be like top three or four. But like the the hatred towards it, I don't understand. Like everything I like, like individually, I like. So if it's on a pizza, the, the concoction doesn't all of a sudden not work, right? Like it, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't get I don't get the the pure hate that it gets. It's a little reaction. I don't, I've never understood it either. I mean, I think the pineapple makes it kind of burst. Like there's a lot of flavor Mm -hmm. in it or, you know, the bacon's really good ham. Like, I just think it's, it's, it, it works. I remember growing up, we used to get Hawaiian pizza from Domino's and it was very good. (laughs) Domino's pizza. I actually did a pretty good job on that. So, and and also don't just uh, besmirch Domino's. No, you won't catch, you will not catch Domino's. I think think anyone can attest that has saved many, uh, many nights in college. So, oh, yes. Yes, yes, it definitely, uh, it definitely. Well, you, has. Had, you had you had Antonio's, but I understand. I know there's there's room for multiple pizza spots. So well, Antonio's isn't open out. Antonio's doesn't deliver, and it's not open after like two. So Domino's is really the only thing we had going. You had uh, T Anthony's, so like we, we Antonio's and T Anthony's is the real college pizza rivalry because it's it's they're pretty damn close. I mean, does does Antonio's today like yell at you when you like take too uh, Sometimes, sometimes okay. like, but T. Anthony's Good. is a little tougher. T. Anthony's yeah. is a little, little more sandpaper, as it should be. Yeah, head on a swivel. You got you got four hundred people behind you in line. So, <laughs> no, I agree. Um, T. Anthony's, I, you know, if I had to pick T. Anthony's, it's hard to pick against T. Anthony's. Love T. Anthony's. Um, but anyways, I know we're getting everybody hungry. I think people like when we talk food at first because maybe it gets people riled up with hunger uh, instead of us, you know, talking about. Uh, other non-related Bruins things, but it, it uh, actually it would be funny if people were like, "Oh, thank Christ!" After like months of them talking about the weather or the calendar or the different months of the year, we finally have training camp. 
the entire episode, I was just ranking pizza spots in the Commonwealth <laughs> of Massachusetts. That's what it should be. We'll do an episode like that at some point. We'll do like a YouTube extra on that. Yes. Um. Anyways, the big news of this week, Uh, no surprise, Brad Marchand named captain. Uh, I thought they actually, the social media team did a really good job releasing it. They did it, you know, it was uh, it was well done. I thought they might go back to the well of Sweeney you know, jokingly handing him the jersey being like, nah, you have it this time for real. Um, but, uh, well-deserved. I, I don't think there's anything. I mean, just, you know, that's the guy that I don't think there was any question that it, you know, should have, or could have been him. Yeah, no, again, it's not to say there isn't other guys, uh, who can step up in a leadership role. I think the Bruins for as much talk or concern there is about, um, what this team looks like without guys who've been here forever and Bergeron, Krejci, all those guys. Um, they do have a good core behind Marchand with guys like McAvoy, Pasternak, Carlo, you know, you name it. Um, but they will have their time. Like this team will eventually be theirs. I think when you just look at what Martian brings, you know, the ability of, of having another link to that, you know, 2011 team, but a guy that has been there through thick and thin through the Chari years, the Bergeron years, um, learn from guys like Mark Recchi, um, a guy that leads by example, you know, he's, he's definitely no, I think captain's the same, you know, how, Char ran things was different how Bergeron ran things. And, you know, Martian's probably cut from a different cloth than both those guys. But I think when you look at for Martian, I think that, you know, when you view how valid a guy is as a captain or, or what they did to prove it, I think it all comes down to how sincere they are in terms of what the responsibilities are. And I, I think that's something that Martian, you know, for all the the antics, whatever you want to say about his game over the years, I think something he really does take to hot is the responsibility and what is asked to be a captain. I think it's something that he mentioned, you know, you learn it obviously from guys like Recky and Chara, but I think when Bergeron became captain and Martian's more or less been his understudy for years now, I think that's something that is not lost on Martian in terms of how much it, it matters to, you know, lead by example, be vocal, um, set the tone both, you know, in the room on the ice, obviously. And, and also for as much as, you know, people are worried about, all right, um, you know, Martian has how many years left? Is it is it better to give it to a guy who maybe is here for three, four, five years as opposed to a McAvoy? But you know, I think one thing that stuck out with Marchand in his uh, opening press conference was how important it is to build towards the future. Um, that's something that is not lost, even as this team is going into this transition where you have uh, a new set of players stepping into the lineup. I think it's, you know, he's very cognizant of what he needs to do in terms of the culture is set down by guys like Char and Bergeron, carry it on, you know, make it his own, obviously, you know, no players the same in that respect, but carrying it forward that in 20, 30 years, guys who have never played with a Bergeron or something to still take to hot. I think some of those same core principles. So I, I think for as much as Martian, especially maybe outside of Boston is viewed as this WWE character or what, what have you. I think when it comes to some of those things, uh, it's something I think he feels the, the burden of responsibility welcomes it um, and really kind of takes it to heart, which I think is exactly, I think what you're looking for in a captain. Yeah. And even you saw him in that opening press conference, kind of describing what it meant to be captain. And, you know, when they took him out to dinner and he was kind of, he was very anxious thinking like, Oh, maybe they're letting me down easy. Maybe, you know, cause, and it kind of hits at the whole point of like, and, and you said it, there are other guys who on this team who are future captains. They're deserving. McAvoy and Poshnark are the assistants. Like they could have been captains, but it would have been really weird if they didn't give it to Brad Marchand. Like it would have been a weird thing not to give it to him. Um, and it wouldn't yeah. have made sense 
um, not to give it to him. So it clearly meant a lot. I think he's going to do a great job. I think he's earned it. I think he's got to the point of earning it. And uh, I mean, it's, you know, again, I think it's the right move. It's the right move. And it gives guys like McAvoy and Poshnok a little more time to get you know, more comfortable in their leadership roles and abilities. And whenever Marshan's time ends here, whether it's two years, three years, four years, 10 years from now, whenever it is, whenever it is, uh, maybe Marshan will start the TB12 method. Um, they'll be more ready to be captain than I think they were now. Um, so again, lots of future leaders in that room, lots of leaders in that room in general. Um, but Marshan clearly uh, the guy who, uh, who, who earned the captaincy. That's for sure. Uh, so Marshand is captain. He's still, still himself. I mean, he's still, you know, winking in videos and same guy. And they and Neil even said, don't, you know, we don't need you to change the way you play. Um, I mean, I was not there at training camp on Thursday for day one. I was there obviously Friday uh, for day two, but uh, leading by example, uh, high compete in these drills. I mean, just, there was a funny play or not a funny play, but there was a play it was a two-on-one in front of the net. And uh, Lysel, like kind of tried to dangle around Marshan, and Marshan just chopped his stick, hand on the shoulder, pushed him right down. Um, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, he's, he's come to play. And he finishes every check, and I think that that's sort of a way that his leadership is going to sort of emanate. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it has to be leading by example, setting the tone. Um, and again, Marshan's a guy that I think helps in terms of having maybe younger guys cut into the lineup because he's kind of traveled that road. But, you know, wasn't this first round pick guy that got drafted and you knew he was going to be a top six player, kind of cut his teeth down in the AHL, started here as a fourth line guy and fought his way up off of kind of hard work, determination, having a chip on your shoulder. And I think he still carries that to this day in terms of how he operates, how, you know, even if he's not the most skilled player or whatever you want to say about him, he rarely lets other guys outwork him. And I think that's something that, um, you know, leading by example is such an important part of what it takes to be a captain. And um, he's done that year after year after year. Right. I mean, you look at how often is it you see the Bruins do like behind the B and it's dev camp and these, uh, you know, younger players are stepping into warrior for the first time and Marshan's working out. He's the one who's given them a speech going into it. Um, I think even DeBrusque last week, more or less mentioned Marshan, I think a week after the season ended was already back on the ice. So, I mean, that's, I don't know. I think knows, you know, the amount of work he puts and how seriously he takes it. Um, that's kind of not lost in him. That I can only imagine is going to magnify uh, and continue now that he's captain. And yeah, in terms of even just setting the tone, that's why I think one thing we've noticed the first two days of, of uh, camp, usually this is the time where guys are just getting their feet wet, learning their new line mates, kind of seeing, you know, the coaching staff is evaluating guys early on. Very physical so far. You've seen a lot of guys get trucked over, uh, Steen, I think, took a shoulder to the face today. Um, I think it was last uh, on Thursday, uh, McAvoy and Martian were in a pretty big uh, battle along the boards, and McAvoy Morales got decked to the ice by Marchand. Um Again, hopefully no injuries. That's the last thing you want to see, but I, I think it sets the tone, though, early on that this is a team that, you know, I think they've embraced maybe the chip on the shoulder of what the expectations are going to this year, and they're setting the tone early that, you know, we have to – a tone for last year, but also we have to be a lot more physical, a lot more punishing. I think you've seen that at least translate over these first uh, couple of days of camp. And it, again, it hits the thing of they're not going to outscore you, but they are built to be a very difficult team to play against, whether that's, you know, defensively in net or just 
physicality wise, um, not going to be an easy team to play against. So early on, I mean, you know, we're two days in there's training camp on Saturday, first preseason game Sunday. Um, What's kind of the early take on what Jim Montgomery is trying to build this season? Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel is that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many touchdowns Mac Jones is going to throw this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many wins the Bruins are going to have in 2023-24. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, I think early on, you know, again, I don't think we should put too much stock into lines yet or, you know, where guys are in terms of roster bubble. We'll wait until we actually get some preseason games, which, thank God, are right around the corner, literally starting on Sunday, as you said. Um, But I think when you look at just how this team is built or what kind of identity they're trying to uh, incorporate, as you said, obviously, a lot of it's going to come down to defense and goaltending, which is a good place to start from. You know, I think if you're a team that's, in a bit of transition or you're retooling the roster, having your foundation be set in your decor and your goaltending is a great place to go. It's a, it's a good way to chart, I think, a pretty high floor uh, of just always consistently being in games, and they should be, right? Like, you're still returning five of the 6D that before the trade deadline were, what, 43-8, and eight, I think is what their record was, 43-8-2, I believe. So having those guys back, Lindholm, uh, obviously coming off of, that broken broken foot, but was arguably a top three, four Norris contender last year. I think one guy that's kind of, I wouldn't say slept on because he's one of the best defensemen in the, the game, but even McAvoy, how much it helps is having a full year removed from uh, recovering from offseason surgery, having just a clean slate over the summer um, can you know make a huge difference in terms of how you go into a year, you're not feeling rushed, you feel like your game's already at a good jumping off point when camp opens. So defense is going to be huge goaltending, obviously barring uh, a major regression from both of those guys. You've got one, uh, you know, returning Vezina winner and you've got a damn good goalie as your number two that could also take uh, further strides there. So the identity is going to be rooted in the defense and the goaltending. Um, but I am curious to see how they approach, uh, you know, their maybe mode of attack up front. You listen to Montgomery early on, a lot of it, Physical. They want to be more physical. Then it would be tougher to play against. And, and what does that mean? You know, is this a team that I think you look at the personnel, whether it's obviously Lucic, but, you know, Lauco, Beecher, uh, you know, Patrick Brown. You look at Geeky, again, not a bruising guy, but 6'3", uh, Van Riemsdyk. 
they, they are a lot bigger uh, up front now. And I think it's all going to be maybe changing about how they play because, you know, it's one thing to, I think, be just this bruising, uh, you know, methodical puck possession group. But it seems like Montgomery wants to kind of toe that line between they want to be more physical, but also still play with pace. So I, you know, we'll see how that maps out, but I view it as maybe being more instead of rush based, it's more of uh generating a lot more on the four check. I think you look at probably the, the best practice for a lot of these teams, especially in the playoffs, very high uh, uh, four checking pressure, turnover rate, all those things. So if you're able to attack with speed, uh, you know, knock guys loose of the puck and do that, that's probably a sustainable way to not only, you know, land some wilts against the uh, uh, opposition, but um, consistently generate offense, high danger chances as well, which obviously is an emphasis of what Montgomery is looking for. So Really early on, but I think that's if you're looking at how they want to approach or maybe you know tinker with how their offense is generated. I could see a lot more forecheck uh, being kind of the, the the focus there with kind of the added size they have. It's why they lost last year. They were out forechecked. Uh, that was what it came down to against Florida, yeah. and Florida sort of you know made it uh, big, and it's a copycat league. So yeah, I mean defense, uh, goaltending, forechecking, uh, and the size elements huge, and it kind of hits at this. Uh, one line that I think has drawn a lot of eyes over the last two days is Lucic, Beecher, and Lauko. There's a lot of these lines that are put together. You know, uh, Lysel was with uh, Bergeron and Marchand last year at the beginning of camp, and he's with um, Coyle and Marchand. Now, probably not going to be the the opening first line for the Bruins this year. Um, lots of things there. But Lucic, Beecher, Lauko is an intriguing look at that kind of a potential fourth line. Um, and that, you know, Montgomery even mentioned kind of wanting and needing um, a left shot center uh, in that bottom six. What do you think? Yeah, it is really interesting. And I think, again, it kind of goes to kind of towing that line in terms of just what, what they're looking for there. Obviously, I don't think anyone's surprised of Lucic slotting in there. But again, I don't think you want a bottom six filled with kind of maybe slower, more physically dominating guys like Lucic. You still need to play with pace. And I think if you can attack with speed, you can also... I think change your offense on the fly or adjust more when you have that speed. Like I look at um, obviously Florida forecheck the shit out of everyone on their way to get into the, <laughs> to the Stanley cup final. But I think you look at Vegas, Vegas primarily was a rush team last year, but in the playoffs, they had so much speed with some of these skill guys up front that they can all of a sudden switch into more of a four checking approach, force turnovers, kind of, uh, you know, put, defenses on their heels and capitalize in that way. If you have speed in those critical areas, you can do a lot with it. And I think, you know, Lucic can bring that, that physical punishment, but you look at Lauko and what he can bring when his feet are moving. Um, I think he's a guy that could do a lot of damage if you're trying to fit that, you know, uh, maybe not more heft, but a little bit more like physical uh, capabilities with speed. Lauko makes perfect sense in that spot. And then Beach is kind of the wild card, right? Like, again, we've talked about, him and his skill set and how if he just, you know, can consistently carry out of being just a strong forechecking centerman, the NHL level, the offense will come. And it's not to say that all of a sudden I'm expecting him to have a 20 goal season, but it's, it's almost like Lauko, right? Like it's not like this guy is dangling through guys or doing anything, but he's every time he hops over the, the boards, he's moving his feet. He's making, you know, chaos happen. He's causing turnovers and he's potting the loose pucks He's, you know, getting pucks into great ice so they get potted by a line mate. Like, he's doing it organically in terms of how he's generating that offense out of that fourth-line role. You look at Beecher and how well he skates. He's already a big-bodied 6'3". If he can just, you know, keep his game simplified, 
the opportunity should be there with that line. So um, he's a bit of a wild card beacher in terms of maybe fighting for that spot over a guy like Patrick Brown or, or someone else. But um, in terms of what Montgomery seems to be focusing on in terms of speed with that physicality, I think there's a really a lot to like of, of what we've seen from that potential fourth line so far. Yeah, that that line kind of is, is very interesting to me because as you said, you know, Lucic obviously is the slowest of those three. But I just think that the the physicality he brings, you know, if he's the first guy on the puck, you know, on the forecheck, he's not fast, but he's hard. He hits freaking hard. And I think it kind of puts the fear in defenders. And if Lauko and Beecher can be in the right spots to either intercept those passes or to kind of close on the guy that that first defender back is passing to, um, I think you have something there. I think Beecher's speed and Lauko's speed and Lauko's ability to affect the game, whether it be drawing penalties or things like that. Uh, I think that's an interesting fourth line. And you know what, Connor, you know what I like about it? There's two young guys on it. You're getting the young guy mixed with the vet. And I think that that is something that uh, is an interesting thing for this team to go. Again, it's day two of, tra- oh, it's, you're listening on day three, but we've been through day- two days of training camp. Lots could change here. I mean, also like another guy, again, I was only there on, on Friday. So I, you know, I just saw it Friday. Um, but a guy like Danton Heinen. Interesting. Uh, playing with the Debruskin, uh, Merkulov, Montgomery said uh, after Friday they were the best line there. I thought Merkulov was a little bit behind Heinen and Debrusk. Felt that he isn't quite at the level, which is why I think Merkulov, again, barring he's great in preseason games, which could be the case, just off of what I saw in practice, probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to get some more seasoning down in Providence. We've said this a bunch, and it's fine. It's not like a slight against him. I don't. I just don't think he's there yet. Um, yeah. But uh, Heinen's an interesting one. Because Heinen's a guy that, uh, you know, seems like a Montgomery guy from Denver. Uh, had success with this franchise before. Obviously drafted here and everything like that. Um, that's an intriguing piece to, you know, again, if that's the fourth line, let's just say Lucic, Beecher, mm-hmm. Lauko. Heinen's an interesting piece there on that third line. Again, long way to go. But that feels like a guy who kind of could have the in. I also noticed uh, the Bruins just posted uh, on Friday afternoon, a uh, vi- uh, t- Twitter video uh, saying like, oh, you know, more content from, you know, photo day. And Heinen was in those photos. Uh, I don't think I saw like Cheyasan or or any of the bubble guys. Heinen was in, uh, was in a shot of it. So I'm curious. I mean, what do you feel on him? What, what, what's your takeaways through two days on him? Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at that third line, you can look at the fourth line. Main line has Lucic. I think you kind of know what to expect. But if that third line is someone you're a group and you're looking to be more of a defensive stopper, again, that's kind of a new role for Geeky. But you expect just with you know him playing 13, 14 minutes a night, it's pretty much four minutes more than he was playing with Seattle. He could really be a guy that could evolve into a very steady 3C. But you look at Frederick and, you know, they expect more out of him. But he was also a sneaky good defensive forward last year as well. Put a guy like Heinen, who obviously knows the system, knows Jim Montgomery. Again, uh, Heinen's kind of a divisive player, but I think where his value is, is he's a really solid two-way guy, really versatile guy. Um, if you're trying to augment that third line into more of a responsible kind of do-it-all line, making putting a guy like Heinen in there with Frederick Ugiki, those make plenty of sense, uh, especially if you want to maybe change that fourth line from being a group that gets a lot of D-zone starts to a line that is your – spark plug line more or less right like you get over the boards to make things happy happen um happy not happy for yeah <laughs> not, not making things happen for the opposition that's for sure but um i think that's something where you look at the third line 
if they can be more of your shutdown grouping with maybe even how they change the, the coil line around, if he's more of a two-way guy up with uh, DeBrusque and, and Martian, there's a lot you can do in terms of how you want to change the different roles on this grouping, including making the fourth line very happy. The happy and the people pleaser line. That's, you know, they're making people that, happy. That's what we'll call it. That's what we'll call it. The people pleaser line. Yes. Um, which is, which is great. Uh, but yeah, Heinen's an interesting one. Cause I think that's a Montgomery guy uh, clearly likes him. Um, looked good on Friday. Again, we'll see what happens. I think the big test obviously is Sunday. Montgomery said uh, no more than eight veterans are going to be on the lineup for that Sunday game, which makes sense. It's going to be kind of a development game. Um, for sure, which makes it more interesting. I'm sorry, in training camp, uh, the DeBrusks, the Marshans, the Pasternaks, the Lindholms, McAvoy's, I don't care. They're, you, you know they're making the team. Training camp is fun really? to see. Really? Yeah. <laughs> right. Hot take. Break it. You can you can source me on that. Um, but I think it, you know, I, and I think most people find training camp more interesting with the Lysels of the world, the Low-Rise, uh, the Heinens sort of those uh, bubble guys and those uh, those prospects. So speaking of prospects, Poitras playing on a line with David Pasternak. Has a lot of people excited. I know we had a good day on Thursday. Uh, had a solid day Friday again. Um, you know, I think it kind of hits that like he's going to have a good training camp, but I don't know if there's, I don't think now is the time. You know, I think it's good for that he's a really good training camp, but now probably isn't the time um, so far uh, for him to be kind of up in Boston. Yeah, I think it's, you know, Montgomery did the same thing last year where I think, he, as you said, Lysel had a few uh, shifts or a few practices with Marchand and Bergeron where I think it's, you know, you have some of these maybe prospects that have a little bit of a higher ceiling, especially offensively. Of course, it makes sense to kind of throw them a bone, get them, uh, you know, generate some momentum early on with some high-end talent. And if you're a guy like Poitra who's um, 19 years old, First legitimate camp, you know, a little nervous. Good way to kind of ease that that those worries or get those butterflies out is, uh, you know, feeding a guy like Pasternak for a one-time and get your confidence going. So uh, it makes plenty of sense as to why guys like him or Lysel are starting off, you know, in these featured roles. And we'll see, right? Like, I'm sure that Batra is going to get a few reps or maybe a preseason game or two with a more high-end player and see you can generate there. Like, again, I don't think they want to – bring up Patra and think he's ready just because they're going to staple him next to Pasternak for the whole year or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's a good way to, so far he's looked good. Like he's again, got to put on more weight. He's what, I think 175, but um, I think the same things we saw at dev camp still stick out here. Really good passer. um, Really aware of, you know, where to, you know, attack the puck when it comes to winning battles along the boards, you know, again, not the most physical guy, but knows how to, um, evade players uh, can kind of create space for himself off of just, you know, shielding the puck positioning wise, like just a really sound solid player for a guy, his age, and that should only continue to grow. Um, again, I'm not setting any high expectations. I think if you're Bruinton, you should just be excited that you have a potential promising prospect down the middle that even if he goes to the OHL is probably going to light it up this year in terms of what oh, he did God. last year. Um, but we'll see. Like, again, if, he goes into a preseason game and looks pretty solid, but, you know, uh, still seems overmatched. Yeah, of course, like that shouldn't surprise anyone. Check back with us on like Monday if all of a sudden he has four assists <laughs> on Sunday or something like that and looks like he belongs. Then you start having those legitimate conversations, but I think it's good and it's fair, especially to a player like him who's got a long career ahead of him to see how he does. This is his first camp, ease him into it, give him a few 
high-powered weapons early on and see kind of what he makes of it. There's no rush. There's no rush. And I also think you don't want to relegate him to, not relegate, but you don't want to put him playing with guys who are on the third and fourth lines. You would ideally, kind of the way they have Lysel with these higher-end players, because he projects to be a higher-end player. There are lots of prospects like your McLaughlins, your Beechers, your, you know, you want to throw Merkulov in there, um, Lauko, who probably will make an impact at the, at the, at the NHL level in the bottom six. That'll probably be their thing unless Merkulov kind of finds his way defensively. Um, but again, you don't want to put Poitras down there yet. You want him to sort of have that top six identity because he is a top six player. So um, encouraging stuff so far. It's only been two days. There's a long way to go, long way to go before uh, we get to the regular season. But again, I think the big takeaway, and we'll kind of discuss this probably a ton on Bruins beat on Monday, is uh, that preseason game uh, on Sunday against the Caps. Because that that shows everything. And I think you'll get the most um out of that and hopefully the happy line is just you know going crazy that's that's just, that's what we need just everyone's just sharing the entire i mean if listen i go to the regular season and lucic is out there there's gonna be a lot of very happy people in the crowd yes so. yes oh my god i, yes. I feel like lucic is the one guy who even if like let's say struggles early on what have you people are still gonna be like yeah it didn't look that great but Good to have him back. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that that's how it's going to be. So lunch pale Luch. Yeah. I, yes. I've said it like I had a friend say to me, I think I've said it on this podcast. Like, I don't care if Luch is just the worst player in the NHL. He, I'm glad he's a Bruin again. Like just, just nature's healing type thing. And it felt good to even see him just out there as a Bruin. It's like, Oh my God. Like, you know, just a, just a Bruin and good for him. Um, should be interesting to see how he plays out this year. And again, if he can mentor guys like Beecher, Lauko, some of these younger guys along the way, I think it's a great thing all around. Um, but Connor, what can people look forward to from you over Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to be covered again now throughout training camp, whether it's uh, observations, camp takeaways, roster battles, all that stuff obviously will be over at the garden on Sunday. Uh, we'll be back at it for that. Um, looking at younger players, guys who pop in those roles, all that stuff as we get, um, as we brace ourselves for a season opener on October 11th. So can't wait to get started. And again, every day we'll have some Bruins content out there over at boston.com. So please read our stuff there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. And that game is on Nesson Plus. It is not on yes. Nesson. Just so people gotta gotta get those, gotta shoot those Red Sox out of here first. So yep. a little bit a little yeah. bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they're out of here. Well, they will be out of here as soon as they possibly can. They will not be playing October baseball. But uh, anyways, that's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky, presented by FanDuel. You poke the bear, listeners. Have a great rest of your week. 